This morning, I would like to start off and give you permission to close your eyes. And so I'd like for everyone just sort of to close their eyes for a second, and I want you to sort of daydream. So feel free, and if God, if you need it, we're speaking on rest today. If you need to continue on sleeping, I guess, go ahead and do that. But here's what I want you to imagine. Imagine your life without stress, without anxiety, without fear, without worry. Imagine your life without brokenness and pain. Imagine your life without guilt. Imagine your life with peace, with joy, with humility, with love, with genuine worship for your creator and for your savior. Imagine your life being quiet, being still, taking delight and finding rest in God. Breathe it in. Picture it and ask God this morning that you can experience it because he wants to bless you with it. You may open up your eyes. You see, what I believe you need, I need is not another sermon, not another worship service, not another song to be sung. But what we all need this morning is the rest of God. You see, rest is more than a vacation. You see, sometimes we got these faulty ideas of what rest is all about or what taking a Sabbath means. And this morning, I think we need to get over the hurdle, and I didn't say that rest is not these things, but rest is more than a vacation. I don't know about you, but sometimes I actually hate to go on a vacation because I get get it all prepared, and then I got to catch up when I get back, and when I'm actually on vacation, I'm concerned or worried about the things that I need to do or the things that I was doing. And I find it hard sometimes to rest on a vacation. Rest and vacation are not the same concept. It's not a weekend off. It's not an extended three-day weekend. That that is not what rest is. It's it's more than that. Rest is more than the Sabbath. It was interesting. There was a poll done, and they asked Christians what the Sabbath was. 90% of Christians said that the Sabbath was Sunday. That the Sabbath was going to church. The Sabbath is an Old Testament concept. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. But rest that Jesus promises us is different than the Sabbath. 70% of people associate the Sabbath with rules and regulations and actually guilt. So what we're going to see this morning is rest is more than that. 
Rest is more than a day free from work. Again, I don't know about you. I'm not very good at this. And when I take a day off, and I usually try to take a day off like Monday, but I find myself, I'm mowing the lawn or cleaning the house or running to the store or I'm on the move and I'm on the go and I'm trying to accomplish something. Rest is not just resting from work. That's just ceasing to work. We're going to see that rest is more than that. Rest is more than just a physical rest. You know, naps are great, and I may take a nap today, but what I find is often when I take a nap, I'm more tired. And I wake up and I feel like I'm guilty, or I feel like I've been lazy because I took a nap, but the good news this morning is it's more than physical rest. And rest is more than what I call counterfeit comforts. You know, when it comes to the Sabbath, which we're not talking about this morning, many of us have substituted what I believe is counterfeits to finding rest. So whether it is going on a vacation or whether it is maybe for some of us our counterfeit comfort is food. Or for maybe some of us it's, it's alcohol. Maybe for some of us it's actually not taking a rest but doing more work. Or going away somewhere to, to Las Vegas or someplace or going to a gambling boat. And we, we, we associate that with rest. But that is what I would call a counterfeit comfort this morning. And so what I want us to do is to see what Jesus meant when he said to us, come to me and I will give you rest. Now this morning, I really don't want you to be on your phones looking at your Bible because I want to take us into the focus of what it looks like to rest in God and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's table together. So I first want to read the passage that is well-known, hopefully, to a lot of us. And then I'm going to try to revisit what the word rest really means and to give us a new perspective on what Jesus was talking about. So I'm going to read from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And if you have your Bible, you can look at it. Um, Matthew 11 28, and we need to know the context. It's always important to know the context. Jesus is in the middle of conflict. John the Baptist is about ready to get beheaded, and the Jewish people, the Pharisees, are rebelling against them, and Jesus is starting to, to not bless the Jewish people. He's starting to call out curses upon them. And Jesus is revealing that it's not the wise people who are going to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. It is those who are childlike and who have simple faith and trust in Jesus and in God the Father. And so this is what Jesus says to people who are being beat up and feeling overwhelmed with Judaism, with the law, with trying to be good enough to please their Heavenly Father. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. All those who 
literally are carrying a backpack full of stones and rocks, and it's too heavy to live life that way. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is one of my favorite passages. In fact, I think this is probably the third time that I've spoken on Matthew 11. And I'm not going to, to tell you everything in this. Again, I want to paint a picture of what rest is this morning. Um, it's basically three commands to come, take, and learn. And there is this promise or this gift or this consequence or this reward for coming and taking and learning from Jesus Christ, we will have rest. And so this morning, I again, I want to show us that rest is more than a day off. Rest is something special. Rest is something beautiful. Rest is something that you and I need. And one of the reasons I'm approaching it this way is because I find myself struggling to find rest in this world. And I'm betting you struggle to find rest as well. So let's look at this, and I'm only going to give us four pictures of rest. I actually came up with about ten of them. But here's what rest is. Here's the first one. Rest is the ability to delight ourselves in the Lord. Rest is the ability to delight ourselves in the Lord. I don't know what you think of when you think of delight. And again, I think I've even joked around before about it. Mine always goes to food. And so I'm just like picturing the Cheesecake Factory. And that Adam's Reese peanut butter ripple or whatever that thing is. And oh, tasting so good. I also delight, as you know, spending some time in San Diego. I just sometimes, I just like, oh, I got to get myself a California burrito. The carne asada and the french fries and the cheese and the heart attack waiting to happen. You know, those are some of the delights I have and, and I've joked around about it. I, I delight, though, in a beautiful sunset. I, I said... You know, since I, I've lived here and living in San Diego for a period of time, there's sunsets in both places, and there's beautiful sunsets on the ocean. But I have to say, the sunsets here, I believe, are more beautiful. And delighting in the sunsets, or some of you going out at night and delighting yourselves in the stars. And just the beauty of God's creation. And being out sometimes at night on a beautiful night when the stars are bright. And it's just wonderful delight. Or if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon and stepping out and looking at the Grand Canyon. That, that's delight. But what rest is, is not going outside and delighting ourselves in the stars or delighting ourselves with a beautiful sunset. What the scripture says, it's delighting ourselves in the Lord. Finding within our heart 
a special place with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Psalm 37 was written by David, one who was considered the apple of the Lord's eye, sort of, sort of speaking. And, um, but Psalm 37 was written where David was frustrated. And I think a lot of us are this way as well. Psalm 37 is really about why do evil people seem to succeed in life? This is a conversation Michelle and I have quite often. Why is somebody who's doing the wrong thing seem to get blessed? It just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem fair. And so David wrote Psalm 37. And one of the ways that you find rest in this world that is full of evil people, not only evil people, but evil people succeeding in life, is by delighting ourselves in the Lord. When you think about rest, and by the way, there's more passages that, that talk about rest than Matthew 11. And there's more passages that talk about the Sabbath, and you can look at some of those in the next step. But in the Old Testament, there was the word Sabbath, but there was also rest. Do we remember what the rest was in the Old Testament? The rest was the promise of the promised land. A land that there was going to be peace, there was going to be blessing, there was going to be joy. And God promised the Israelites that they were going to enter into the rest, which was the promised land. But as we know, the Israelites missed out on enjoying that perfect rest. They enjoyed some of the rest, but they missed out on most of the rest because of their rebellion and lack of trusting in God. I'm trying to delight myself in God's word again. And I've shared before, not, hopefully it doesn't sound like bragging, but I've read through the scripture in multiple translations and gone back and forth. And sometimes I found myself, God's word has gotten a little bit dull for me sometimes. And I'm always looking for this new passage. And so I did something different. I've never done it before. I'm reading the Bible backwards. And some of you may want to try this. So I started in Revelation 22. And I always like reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, so I started in Malachi. And then I love to read poetry as well, and I started in the Song of Songs. And so I'm starting with the last chapter in each book. Now, I'm probably breaking every rule of reading a book. I know that. But what I'm trying to do is finding new delight in God's Word. And what's interesting, in the Song of Songs, and reading that, and finding not just a romance between a, a man and a woman, and a husband and a wife, but reading God's love for me. And there's a theme that is repeated over and over again in Song of Songs. And I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. And resting in the fact that God loves me and has a relationship with me. In Malachi, I'm learning that there is a day coming. Again, it was the day of rest. It was the day of promise. It was the day of hope. And it, Malachi describes it as an awesome day. And it's a day when fathers and sons and 
mothers and daughters and everybody is reconciled together. And there's no more fighting between families. There's restoration. There's reconciliation. Families are meant to be what families are called to be. And that's rest and that, that's exciting and that's what God wants to take us to. In Revelation, again, I'm starting at the back, but you know what happens at the end? There is a tree of life, but before the tree of life, guess what? God wipes all the tears from our face. There's no more pain. There's no more anguish. There's no more heartbreak. And God wipes away the tears from us. And when I think about those sort of things, guess what? I start delighting in God and delighting in everything that God has in store for me. In fact, one book that I started to read on the rest of God says that the rest of God literally means just this concept, to delight ourselves in the Lord. You need to find ways to be creative and to sit back and to delight yourself in the Lord. Here's the second one I want to share. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34. Psalm 34 was written by David as well. And it's looking at God's protection for his people. And God looking after them. And David says an important truth. That we need to taste and see that the Lord is good. The other day I was talking at the wedding with Richard Schrock. And Richard was sharing about how. He's trying to celebrate the good things that God is doing in his life. He said to me, and I, you can, we can talk about it later, but he said something. We in life sometimes focus on all the bad. We focus on all the negative. But when is the last time we just sort of sit back and celebrate all the good things that God is doing in our life? You see, that is tasting and seeing the good things. And tasting and seeing the good things that God is up to. When we talk about change and getting to a new destination in our life and getting our life unstuck, one of the best books I ever re read on change said that we need to find the bright spots. And if you want to get where you need to go, you need to start to identify the bright spots. Well, that's what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. When, I, when I've been up visiting with uh, Danny and Angie and Emily a little bit and listening to them recall the good and the bright spots and watching Danny get back into the Word of God and to be reading the Word of God and tasting and seeing God's goodness. It was interesting the other day at this wedding between Abby and Drew and it was interesting, you know, when they do the toast, and I, I've been to a lot of weddings and officiated weddings, and it was very interesting when the toast came, the, the guy who was the best man, can't remember his name, but he, he said about Drew, we used to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and we studied the word of God together. Rest is getting up. And maybe getting up with someone else and studying the word of God together and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. 
Taste reminds us that we need to feast. And again, not on cheesecake or Mexican food. We need to feast on God and we need to feast on his word. Feasting on God's goodness. When's the last time you just paused and focused in on God's goodness? When is the last time you feasted on the blessings of God? Ephesians 1 says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. There's adoption, there's redemption, there's forgiveness of sins, there's the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fact that we are loved, the fact that we are redeemed, the fact that we are seated with him in heavenly places, the fact that we have been saved by grace and not of works, the fact that we have a purpose, the fact that God has revealed the mystery of his will for our lives to us. This is what rest is, my friends, feasting on God and his goodness. The problem is it's hard for us to be still. Psalm 46 says that we are to be still and know that he is God. That's why I'm hoping you're not looking at your phone this morning because sometimes you just need to stop and get off the phone. And you need to get away from the distractions and the iPad. And you just need to say, God, speak to me. Show me. Reveal yourself to me. Allow me to know you and to experience you to the fullest. Here's another way I think we can define rest, and that is Choosing the good portion. Choosing the good portion. In Luke chapter 10, there's a story that we know very well if we've grown up in the church. It's about Mary and Martha. And Martha is so concerned about doing everything and working and trying to get the meal ready. And guess what she is missing out on? She's missing out on a relationship and sitting with Jesus at his feet. And then Martha gets upset that Mary appears to be lazy. Mary appears to be uninvolved in serving the Master and the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Mary is getting off the hook, so to speak. She doesn't have to do the cooking. She doesn't have to do the dishes because she's out there, you know, not watching a football game. She is sitting with Jesus. And Jesus says something when Martha comes to complain and get upset says why are you getting upset with Mary she has chosen the one thing or the one beneficial thing she has chosen what is necessary and then he says something that you need to to think about she has chosen the good portion she has chosen the best piece of the pie she has chosen the, the biggest cookie she has chosen the best place to lay out and get a suntan she has chosen The good portion. And that good portion is sitting at Jesus' feet. In Matthew 11, again, Jesus says, Come to me. Take my yoke and learn from me. Too many of us want to find rest in these counterfeit comforts rather than finding rest in Jesus. You can't have rest Unless you have a relationship with Jesus. Some people think in Matthew 11, Jesus is talking about spiritual rest or salvation. Come to me, take my yoke, and learn from me, and I will give you 
heaven or I will give you spiritual rest. I will save you. I will deliver you. Other people look at it. No, he's talking about a daily walk. That's sort of how I look at it. You come to Jesus. You take his yoke. That means you serve right alongside with him and you learn from him. And guess what? He will give you rest. That is the good portion, hanging out with Jesus. And if you're trying to find rest without Jesus, it's not going to work. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for the elders. It doesn't work for anybody in the church life to try to find rest without having a relationship with Jesus. You know, one of the things I've noticed serving in ministry and I've even noticed it here sometimes that sometimes we're sort of a little bit like Martha and the service of either the food or getting things prepared for maybe like a meal afterwards at at our home or here at church or serving in some capacity is more important than coming and delighting ourselves in the Lord. And what we can learn from Mary and Martha, it's taking time to sit and to let God speak the way the Holy Spirit wants to speak, not with my words, but with his words, and taking and challenging us and encouraging us and inspiring us. And the last way I think we can define rest is to grow in the grace of and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It, it is so amazing, and um, I think, you, don't you really love it when somebody says, as those of you who have kids, isn't it amazing to see how your children are growing? I mean, this morning, Mason was standing next to me, and a few people were talking like, wow, he's up to my shoulder. And as a parent, it is amazing to watch your children grow. To watch them grow physically, to watch them grow emotionally, watch them grow relationally, for you to cut the cord and to see them blossom. What we need to do is picture ourselves as God's children. And God wants to see us cut the cord. And He wants to see us be free, as we sung about, no longer slaves. And the way you do that is by growing in grace. And knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Grace, the way I remembered it, uh, early days of seminary, is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. And we need to continue to grow in that grace and the knowledge of who Christ is. There's two words for knowledge one is a general knowledge like you have knowledge of something and then there is a knowledge word that is intimacy in-depth knowledge to really know someone and we need to continue to develop to grow in this grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ i walked into brian's office this week and he had a book down there at his desk. He had two of them. One was Dispensationalism Today by Charles Ryrie. And I, I sort of chuckled a little bit to myself. And the other one was by Andrew Murray on the Holy Spirit. Now, if I mention the word dispensationalism, anybody really know what I'm talking about? 
I, I see a couple of hands go up. I went to a dispensational seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary. And so Brian and I started talking about dispensationalism, and we were going fairly deep with it, or I don't know, maybe I was going deep for him, but, you know, again, going to that type of school, I understand what dispensationalism is, and I've read that book before by Charles Ryrie. And so and then we were talking about Andrew Murray, who's written many great books, and comparing the two between covenant theology and dispensational theology, and you're already saying, what is this guy even talking about? I have no idea. But one of the things that Brian and I agreed upon, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Again, I've been studying this book for a long time. And I've memorized it, meditated upon it, and I'm always seeing something new, something different. And I'm saying to myself, why didn't I see that before? Why didn't I realize that? Or I have an experience or a conversation with somebody, and I'm like, wow, that was life-changing. That was, that was a good way to look at God's grace. And again, I don't want to keep mentioning Danny Stevens because he's actually listening to the messages, and he's like, you don't need to talk about me. Talk about someone else who needs God's grace. And I'm like, okay. But, uh, and here I'm doing it anyway, so don't tell him. Let's see if he really listens to the message or not. But one of the things that I've been able to see, and when God speaks to our wounds, and God speaks in the midst of tragedy, and it just has been heartwarming. And again, I, I never would have wished what has happened to Danny upon him, but to see God work in his life. It's a new picture of growing in grace, and knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And my prayer is that you will find new ways to look at rest. Uh, here are some of the other ways I talked about. Come and eat with me, follow me, trust in God, trust in me, love God, love others, go into the wilderness, be still, confess your sins. I didn't even get to that. In the Old Testament, the main topic of the Sabbath or rest came after the Day of Atonement, the forgiveness of sins. How can you have rest if you don't celebrate the forgiveness of sins? So as we leave this morning, we are going to celebrate the Lord's table. And as we celebrate this morning, I want us to imagine our lives filled with hope, peace, and joy. I want us to imagine our lives filled with gratitude and delight. And I want us to imagine our lives filled with enjoyment of all the good things that God has in store for us.